Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. The Apostle Paul writes, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not, let, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give new, no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word. As you take your word now and burn it into our hearts, burn it into our minds, ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would empower in us that which you command of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 16,000. 16,000 every single day. That's how many words you speak, according to the University of Arizona. Now, there are some who take a little bit of uh, issue with this 16,000 number, and they would rather propose something more like 20,000 if you're a woman and 7,000 if you're a man thing. But whatever it works out to be is 16,000 words a day, every single one of us. The question before us today is, what are those words doing? What are our words accomplishing every single day in our life? As we look at the day-to-day difference the good news of Jesus Christ makes, the first place we're going to begin is in our speech. How does Jesus change the way we communicate to one another? What difference in our day-to-day life does Jesus make? And we looked last week at Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, and understanding that when we are united to Jesus Christ, we begin to reflect the image of Jesus Christ to the world around us. In other words, we die to our old ways and we begin to live in new ways according to the reflection, according to the image of God himself. And now today we're looking at a very specific area of how we die to an old way and begin to live to a new way. Last week was we were united to Jesus, therefore our whole lives are transformed. Today can basically be summarized as we are united to Jesus, therefore our speech is transformed. We are united to Jesus, therefore our speech is transformed. And if we look very specifically at verse 29 this morning from Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul pinpoints gets right after how we use our communication, how we talk. And if you look at verse 29, it's basically structured the exact same way that verses 17 through 24 are. So verses 17 through 24 were all about 
put to death the sinful life and put on the new life. Verse 29 now gets very specific. Put to death the corrupting talk and bring to life uplifting talk or building up talk. So it's dealing very specifically with the words that we speak. Basically, we need to have a realignment in how we think about our words and how we speak. We need a realignment. And the realignment that we need is that the content of our speech should build others up and relay truth. The content of our speech should build others up and relay truth. A lot of times we think about how we talk and the words we speak. Sometimes we follow phrases like, say what you feel. However, saying what we feel doesn't always benefit those around us. Even though what we're feeling is true to us, it's a reality for us, it's not always necessarily true that we should speak what we're feeling because it may not benefit those around us. Another phrase that we oftentimes use is, let them hear it. We say, let them hear it. Why? Because they deserve it. So therefore, you should say it, no matter how harsh it is. Well, according to God's word, we should not always let them hear it unless it builds them up and it relays truth. Basically, the way we use our language, the way we speak, could almost be summarized by saying we are very careless with our communication. We are careless with our communication. And this is seen in the way we degrade one another. This is seen in the negativity that we oftentimes use. This is seen in the amount of falsehood that's evident in our culture today. We're careless with our communication. And God's word is calling us rather to be intentional so that we build up and speak truth. This morning, we basically have three things. Do what, why, and how. Do what, what we're called to do is to build others up and speak truth. Basically, if you look with me at verse 29, the Apostle Paul begins by saying this, hey, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. In other words, let nothing come out of you that depletes another person or that tears down another person. Let nothing come out of your mouth that takes life away from another person, that that's corrupts them, that doesn't really give them life. Basically, take away all language Take away all words that, that would not properly reflect the image of God. That's all corrupting language because it's not properly reflecting what that other person was created to be and it's not properly reflecting who you were created to be. So our language is not supposed to deplete others, but our language is supposed to use, is supposed to build others up. Look with me at the next part of the verse. It says, but only such as good for building up. The word used here is edify. You're supposed to edify one another. It really means to erect or to create a new structure. Our language, the words that we use, should be motivating people to be who they were created to be. Last week we talked about the foundation for this series is that the message is not behave to belong, but the message is be who you were created to be. You were created to reflect the image of God. This is who you should B, our behavior does not make us that. Our behavior is a response. Our behavior is an outflow of who we are in Christ. And then our speech, our words, basically, should help other people be who they were created to be. Does your talk, does the way you talk to others encourage others to reflect the image of God? Or does the way you talk to others put them in a situation where their response does not reflect the image of God? We're called to encourage, to lift up 
other people. That, that's, that's what we're asked to do this morning, is to encourage. Why? 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 Why do we have to encourage and speak truth? Look with me at the end of verse 25. We've got to get the why grilled into our minds. First, in verse 25 at the end, it says, Speak truth with his neighbor for, in other words, because, speak truth because we are members one of another. The reason that we're supposed to speak this way to one another is because we're connected together. None of us exists as an island unto ourselves. Basically, we're a chain link and we're all connected together. We cannot just think of ourselves. But what he's basically saying here is when you speak falsely of them, you're really actually tearing yourself down because you're connected to them. You're connected one to each other. And in the body of Christ, we see this imagery played out by the Apostle Paul, that the church is the body of Christ. In other words, you've got the hand and the, and the foot, and together we create one body. And why would we want to hurt a member of our own body? We don't want to hurt ourselves. The only time we hurt ourselves is when? When we are ill. When we're physically or mentally or emotionally ill, we hurt ourselves. But nobody intentionally seeks out to hurt themselves Basically, the Apostle Paul is saying here, so why should we want to hurt someone else? Because in that, we're hurting ourselves because we're connected together in community. You're not alone. So that when you degrade another, you're actually degrading yourself because you're degrading someone you're connected to. We are all together as a body, as one community. And there's a key word here that the Apostle Paul uses in verse 25. Notice he says, with his neighbor. He does not say, with someone who's another committed Christian. He says, neighbor. That, that we're connected with all people, whether they're in the body of Christ or not. We have a responsibility to them. That we're connected with them. That our speech to someone who's a non-member is, has to be just as edifying to our speech to someone who's a member of the body of Christ. Reason number one why our language needs to be watched, needs to be edifying, is that we are connected together. The second reason that we need to watch the words that we speak is found in James chapter 3. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, James chapter 3. James is a little ways down in the New Testament. James chapter 3. James chapter 3 is the famous Bible passage dealing with the power of the tongue and how the tongue cannot be controlled by anyone. In James chapter 3, we get to a, a final verse on this section, James chapter 3, verse 9, talking about the power of the tongue. James chapter 3, verse 9. The Apostle Paul writes, With it, in other words, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. The reasoning that cursing people is a problem is because you're cursing the image of God. Every human being, no matter where they come from, no matter what their circumstance is right now. Every human being is created in the image of God. Therefore, they have inherent worth and value. And when we curse another human being, when we degrade another human being, all we're doing is marring the image of God because that person is created in the image of God. Even someone who thinks differently than us, even someone who believes differently than, than us, even someone who's wrong someone who's wrong, they're still created in the image of God. Therefore, we cannot speak negatively to them, about them, because they're created in the image of God. And we want the image of God to be reflected. 
Why is it so important that we build one another up? First, because we're connected to one another as, as creatures of God. And secondly, because everyone's created in the image of God. Therefore, you're not just speaking against that person, you're speaking against their creator. And when we begin to understand that every human being has worth and value, we begin to speak differently about them and to them. We are called to do what? We are called to speak language that uplifts and reveals truth. Why? Because we are connected to one another and all are created in the image of God. How should we do this? The first thing that we need to begin doing is we need to begin becoming intentional with the words that we use. We have to stop being careless. If you read the book of Proverbs, if you read the book of Proverbs, it has a lot to say about how the wise speak. And it could really be summarized by the wise speak less. In other words, the wise speak very few words. And it's not that silence is better than non-silence. It's because the tongue has a lot of power and a lot of time is uncontrollable. So if you have a default position, the default position should be to speak less. We've got to hold back those words. I mean, think about this for a second. When's the last time you left the conversation going, oh, I wish I would have used the word lazy and glutton one more time. You never leave saying that. You always leave thinking what? Oh, why did I say you're always a witch? Right? I mean, I haven't said that. Some of you are thinking that I said that. Oh, <laughs> slow down. Think, think. That we don't regret, a lot of times, the only times we regret unsaid things is when we mess that up, miss that opportunity to say, I love you, or we miss to tell someone how much they mean to us. But it's almost always the conversations where we've said too much, that's where we've regretted. And that's what Proverbs is, the wise. If we want to be wise people, we should learn to hold our tongue. Yes, even if they deserve it, we're better off holding back the words. So we need to be intentional with our words. How many of you like to shop for fruit at your local grocery store? Think. Most of you? Some, not, wow, a lot of Macoris eaters in here. Think. We avoid the produce aisle. Anyhow, think. Whenever you go to the produce aisle, have you ever noticed that no one goes into the produce aisle and just, oh, I'll take this, this, and a little bit of this? But in all the others of the grocery store, what do you do? First can you see. I mean, I've never seen a person pulling off all the cans of corn. Where's the good can? Think. They take the first one. But when it comes to fruit, what do we do? Move the fruit that's in the back to the front, and then move the front to the back again, and the employee goes, you're just ruining all the work that I just did. <laughs> Whenever you buy a bag of potatoes, what do you do? Shift it around, try and get your hand on it. Have I touched that one yet? Why? Because you don't want to get home and what? Bite into a rotten peach. You don't want to get home and heaven forbid you're cutting broccoli and the broccoli's just junk. I mean, all broccoli's junk, but that's beside the point. <laughs> thing. But... Well, you, you, you carefully, you carefully inspect all fruit so you don't get any rotten fruit. What if we stopped worrying so much about the inspection of the fruit and we started inspecting the words that we were using so we did not have rotten words, but rather we had words that built others up, words that edified and revealed truth. It's time we get intentional with the words that we speak. We have to be slow to speak. We have to be intentional. And then how else does this happen? We've got to refresh our minds and our souls in the truth of God's word. The whole 
key I shared last week to have experiencing the day-to-day difference is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. How is it that we're going to start having this conversation that's natural, that's, that's natural to building up? Verse 23 says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. If we want to start having conversation flow from us naturally, we've got to start having our minds refreshed in God's truth. This last week we were ordering pizza, and in our house you have to order two separate pizzas, even there's only two people because you just can't get on the same page. And so you order two small pizzas, and basically I said, oh, meat right here. Oh, my wife wanted broccoli chicken Alfredo thing. And so I asked her, what kind of pizza would you like me to order? Broccoli chicken Alfredo. I had to ask her multiple times, what was that? I had to say it in my own mind multiple times. Broccoli, chicken, Alfredo. Chicken, broccoli, Alfredo. Because it was so foreign to me. I mean, who puts those three things together? Thing. And basically, it was something I had to get used to saying on my lips. You know, words that are corrupting, words that are false, should be that foreign to our speech. We should have to say it multiple times to get it to even make sense, to even want to say it to another because our minds and our souls are so refreshed in the truth of God's word that the only thing that wants to be a natural byproduct is pepperoni. I mean, I mean not pepperoni, but is uplifting and encouraging <laughs> and truth words. God is asking us today, God is asking us today to use words that uplift, to use words that bring truth. Why? Because we are connected to one another and because we are all created in the image of God. This is done when we are slow to speak, when we are intentional with our language, and when we are resting, when we are marinating in the truth of God's Word. And as we converse with one another, there's one final thing that we have to take into consideration, and that's what's going on in that unique person's life. This is something I know that I'm bad at, and I think this is something we're bad at as a culture because you're in such a, we're in such a hurry. And so we have these catchphrases that we use with everyone, and we very rarely take someone's unique situation into consideration when talking to them. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a famous preacher who preached for hours on end, and, and he literally hours on end. And he had preached on this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm not going to share the whole sermon with you because on this little phrase alone, it was about a half an hour's sermon. But on this little phrase alone in Ephesians 4.29, where it says, as fits the occasion, the words need to fit the occasion, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, as fits the occasion means that I must consider the people to whom I am speaking. I must make an assessment of them and my speech, and conversation must be appropriate for them. But many Christian people do not do this. What they do is to deliver a sermon. They address an individual as if he or she were a public meeting. They sermonize. They give a little address or sermonette. They make very good statements about the gospel in the way of salvation. But sometimes... It is not at all appropriate and does not fit the occasion. Our challenge with this is this. That takes time because I need to begin to understand what that person is going through to begin to use the appropriate words with them. This morning, as we think about the day-to-day difference the gospel makes in our lives, we begin with speech because every one of us this next week will use A plethora of words. The question is, what will these words do? As we continue this day-to-day different sermon series, I want to say something and and make sure we're all on the same page on this because this can be a danger sometimes. 
Every week we're going to talk about a different practical thing, whether that be speech, money, marriage, relationships, etc., etc. And the thing is this, I am not the standard for any of these. And we talk about these day-to-day things, we got to remember, the pastor's not the standard for any of these things. I'm with you. I'm soaking myself in this all week long that I can try and lead by example. The standard for all of this day-to-day different stuff is the person of Jesus Christ himself as revealed in Scripture. The standard himself is Jesus because Jesus came and lived the perfect life. Jesus came and spoke the perfect word to every human being. That perfect word was, you're forgiven in Christ. Jesus Christ speaks the perfect word to you and I, and now he asks you and I, as his ambassadors, to go out and speak words to one another, words that build up, words that reveal truth. Today's day is about a quarter over. For some of you, the day might be a half over, but all of us probably have about 6,000 words left in the bank. Some of you, maybe like 500 words, depending on how much you get in at home. But all of us, I, I shouldn't have said that thing. All of us, all of us have words left in the bank today. The question is, will those words that are used help those around us be who they were created to be? Today, you were created to resemble the image of Jesus Christ. And he says to you today, you are forgiven so that you can go out and resemble him to the world around you. Go forth and use your words to build others up and reveal God's truth and bring God glory. Let us pray. Almighty God, come before you with the recognition, Lord, that we are often quick to speak. At this time, God, many of us maybe have memories flooding through of times when we've spoken and we shouldn't. We've said words that we should not have said. God, I ask now that you bring forgiveness for that and restoration in those relationships. I also ask this morning, O Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would enable all of us to be agents who speak in ways that build others up. God, we want to reflect you in the way that we use our words every single day. I ask this next week, O Lord, that by your power, you enable us to be slow to speak, you would enable us to be intentional, and you would enable us to spend time marinating in your word. God, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for speaking grace and truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen.